Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We hear the phrase, know yourself, quite a bit. We also hear the phrase, be yourself, quite a bit. But I'm not real sure we know what that means. So what does it mean? Does it mean that we know the list of habits and the sum total of all the ways we act and think and believe? Or is there possibly something deeper? Avika Costantino uh, from Australia is talking with us today about what it's like to live without a mask, for he is the author of two books, Freedom to Your Be Yourself, Mastering the Inner Judge, and Without a Mask, Discovering Your Authentic Self. Where does the mundane fit into your life, mediocrity or the ordinary? What does that mean? It, what does it mean to have mediocrity in your life? What does it mean to have routine in your life? What are your habits? What are the things you think about? What is your mood most of the time? Those are some things we can know about, but is that really the authentic self? What is your hope of transcending mediocrity in the ordinary? Sometimes we have that hope really, really high, and that's not really authentic either. So is that need to transcend just another mask, or is it the real you? And what about conflict? Where do we put conflict, inner or outer conflict, into the scheme of things? Should we just avoid it in order to say we're good people? And how does goodness fit into the scheme of things? How can you tell the difference between the mask and the real? These are just a few of the things that we have to think about when we consider the possibility of becoming an authentic self. And as you know, that's what we've been talking about on the show for the past four years. So we're going to be talking with Avikal today about his book, Without a Mask, Discovering Your Authentic Self. Welcome to the Authentic Living Show, Avikal. Hello, Andrea. Thank you very much. Uh, we're so glad to have you. Thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. All right. So let's just jump right in there and let's talk a little bit about this word personality. We heard that word here in America, and I'm sure you hear it over there often, uh, in terms of what it means to have a personality. What do you mean when you say the word personality? Well, what do I mean about personality is basically a structure that has a fundamental function which has to do with survival, right. which is basically a, a, a collection of skills, capacities, beliefs, and ways to interpret uh, the world that allow an individual to navigate in life with as less conflict or, let's say, as much uh, harmony as possible. Okay, so so, it, so for me, the, f- the fundamental point is about survival. Right. So that would be the same word I would use for identity, and 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 those are interchangeable for me too. I have a hard time saying, okay, what is personality as opposed to identity? I think they're the same things, and I, I I agree with your definition there as well. So we'll use those terms interchangeably today. Um, but so we we put on uh, we put on this identity or this personality as a way of surviving is basically what you're saying. Yes, yes. Okay. For me, when I, when I, uh, I agree with what you say, the personality and the identity, they, they go together all the time. Mm-hmm. The question for me is that identity is more like the very core of the personality. It's a little bit like the personality is the outer shell, is what we use in terms of uh, objects, capacities, and structures 
while the identity is really the sense or the, or, or the perception of who is using these tools. Okay. Yes. 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 Yeah. I get that. Uh huh. Okay. So, so there's a somebody in there using those tools, and who is that yeah. person? That's what we want to know. Who is that that's using those tools? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's. That's the main question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and so many times we just don't ask that question at all. We just go with it and, you know, go get a job, cut your hair and get a job and forget about everything else. You know, uh so this is a, this is actually exactly one of the fundamental points, which means that for me in in my understanding, also in my practice with with people, what I what I see very clearly is that there is a, a, a moment where uh, a fundamental passage happens. And the fundament- that moment is when the question, who am I, becomes conscious. Because, in fact, we spend all our life trying to give a definition without even knowing to this question by, uh, for example, defining ourselves through what we do, through our opinions, through the way we relate to people. So even though we don't know that we are doing that, the question, who am I, is constantly present. But the point is, when these questions become conscious, so when I really start asking myself, well, who, who am I? Who is thinking this? Who is doing that? That's the moment where I personally think that we start becoming adults. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I agree with that completely, yes. I, yeah, it's when we begin to outgrow our upbringing and our upbringing has been all about that survival thing, isn't it? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. That, that idea that, that there's come some point in our lives that it is at least possible for us to have a point in our lives when we become conscious of the question, who am I? Okay. So no, that, that, that's not an easy point because obviously when, when I start asking myself, who am I? The, fir- the first thing that I have to uh, deal with is uh, is the sense and the understanding that uh, I ask myself the question because I don't know, <laughs> and and this uh, this I don't know is possibly the the door that really opens up completely different dimensions than the one that we are used to through the constant repetition of patterns that are in the personality. I want you to say some more about that. What kinds of patterns? Give us an example of a pattern that might be in the personality that would uh, be somewhat different than, than what we would experience when we ask the question, who am I? Okay, so for example, uh, a pattern in the personality can be that uh, if I have been growing up in a family where uh, I received a very strong uh, um, input that to be a good person, I need to constantly repress and control, for example, my anger, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, I will probably spend most of my life sitting on this volcano of anger that tries to, uh, wants to manifest because in, I think it's inevitable in life to experience in some moments you know, that kind of reactivity. But because I'm a good person, I will not allow myself to uh, express it. Or when I express it, completely takes uh, over me and uh, and becomes really violent and dangerous, and not only to myself but especially to other people. So this is what we would call repression. Mm-hmm. Now, 
what does it mean? Why, why do I actually repress this part of the energy that manifests in my system, which we call anger? I do that because I'm uh, attached to a particular image of myself, which is I am a good person. And I have a definition. A good person is somebody who does not get angry, who controls the anger. Now, uh, the moment that I ask myself, who am I? For example, I can start inquiring, first of all, if I need to control the anger the way I am controlling it, or if there are reasons why that anger is there, and if anger is something that necessarily needs to be destructive, or something in a constructive uh, in a constructive way. I can ask myself if uh, I can, I have to holding on to a certain image of myself and being good and basically pretending to be different than what I really feel internally and therefore create a conflict inside of me where externally I show a certain mask, a certain image, but internally I, I have a completely different experience. Now, how can I find real uh, connection with other people if I keep uh, hiding what I really experience, for example. Exactly. So when, when I start asking myself questions, this is not easy. It's not easy and very often the beginning is not particularly pleasant either because I basically start recognizing that a lot of the uh, patterns of control, of, of, of attachment to a certain image that run my life they keep making me very small, very contracted, and fundamentally non-authentic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, but if I really want, for example, to love and be loved, how can I do that if I'm not authentic? Exactly, yes. And how can somebody else love you if they can't get to your authentic self? Absolutely, absolutely, because love is based on the capacity and grows out of the capacity of uh, being authentically yourself, allowing the other people to be authentically themselves, and finding a, a natural um, map of these two different dimensions, of two different individuals. It's not control. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that whole thing that of, of contrivance there, that the, the idea of, of suppression or repression, repression happens basically unconsciously and suppression happens consciously. We can choose to make a thought go away. So, for example, there's so many people in the New Age, New Thought movement today saying, well, I don't need to think any negative thoughts. So when one right. pops up, they say, oh, I've got to get rid of that. And they're, what they're doing is suppressing the thought. Exactly. which. Yeah, so which that could it's another later... Way of, it's another way of avoiding what, what is happening, basically. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for saying that. I so completely agree. Okay, so, all right. So we lose touch with the authentic self originally by trying to survive. And yes. we put on these, these pat, particular patterns of behavior that we think are going to help us survive. And, and, and you speak in the book about a great betrayal. Is this the betrayal you're speaking of? Well, yes, the, yes, in, in, in par partly. It's, okay. I think it's actually bigger than that because the, the question is that not only we uh, repress and, uh, and, uh, and disconnect from our authentic self 
because of the need to survive, which is definitely a fundamental part, but is also what there is also something very very beautiful that actually brings us to this uh, to this repression, which is the love for our parents. Mm. Every every child, in a way, lives in a constant state, especially the first few years, of love and adoration towards the parents. The parents are basically God, you know, in for for the child. You know, they represent everything that can be uh, loved and admired. You know, in mo- in most cases, of course. You know, now the child, you know, has to Im- because of that love. As to and because of the need of survival, as to accept you now this uh, um, situation where he can he cannot be completely himself or herself, and in that sense goes towards this point, which I call the great betrayal. The great betrayal is this particular moment in childhood, which usually happens around six, seven years old. When, when the, the, the child, the, the infant, finds himself in front of uh, a, a, a choice, and the, the choice is an impossible choice, because on one side there is uh, the need to uh, renounce to his authenticity or her authenticity and accept what are the values and uh, and. Uh, the opinions and and the teaching of uh, the the people that have authority in his life, which main, mainly are the parents, and therefore the price is belonging, belonging to the family, belonging to the clan, belonging to the tribe, belonging to the society in general. And uh, on the other side, there is what happens if I am myself, I will be isolated and rejected. Mm-hmm. So then... Of course, survival is basically impossible at that age. So, and that is the, the core of the, of the betrayal. And this betrayal is something that we keep carrying all our life and that keeps getting activated every time that in any kind of day-to-day life situation, we find ourselves betraying who we really are and what is really our experience in that specific moment. Right, 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 right. So it's an ongoing process. Absolutely. And that wound is constantly open. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depends on the point of view, yeah. uh, we, we feel that wound. It's like, it's like a thorn in the foot, you know, that, that you know, is constantly there. I, there is no human being that has a level of insensitivity that is in, cannot, experience that even that really fast split second where it knows that okay I'm I'm betraying myself or being myself. Right, right, right. And and actually coming to that place where we begin to go, oh I'm betraying myself is a form of waking up to who we actually are. Certainly, absolutely. Yes, yes. yes. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to be back in just a few minutes with a little bit more from Avikal Costantino about um, being without a mask, discovering your authentic self. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And today we're talking to Avikal Costantino with regard to his book, Without a Mask, Discovering Your Authentic Self. And as my listening audience mostly knows, I also wrote a book called Restoring My Soul, a workbook for finding and living the authentic self. So as I was saying to Avikal during the break, uh, this his book is so beautifully done. It gives lots of exercises on how to think through and find and ask yourself questions. He calls them inquiries about how you can really get in touch with the authentic self. I highly recommend the book. Go buy it and do the work of it. Um, uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit more, Avikal, about uh, this process of experience. You you talk about um, experiencing your authenticity in, or just being in the experience of a moment, internally and externally. So, can you say yes. some more about that? Well, authenticity is something that it happens and is possible only in the moment. So that's that's one of the first things that we need to become aware, you know, like when I am uh, not in the moment, I exist in what we call reactivity. Well, reactivity, already the word, you know, represents as a very clear understanding, means react, means to act again. It means that we are following a pattern of the past and superimposing this pattern on the experience of the moment. So we are not really living in the moment. And as we are not in the moment, no, we repeat what we have already acted in the past. 
Now, authenticity has to do with uh, developing the capacity to be present in the, in the moment. And uh, uh, in the technique that we teach in the Institute, we start with the most simple step, which is a classic step of all uh, meditative tradition, which is being present in the body. Because uh, we know one thing for sure is that the body is right here and right now in this moment. While at the same time, you know, my mind can be somewhere else. I can be engaged emotionally with, uh, with uh, something in the past. I, mean, I can, might be thinking about the future or other things. But the, the, the body is right here in this moment. So I'm talking to you, for example, and I'm feeling the way I'm sitting, the way I'm breathing. I'm noticing that my right hand, because I'm an Italian, you know, is moving. <laughs> things like this, you know. Right. So Re- to practice presence is the foundation of uh, authenticity. And, and the practicing presence starts with being in the body. As I land in the body, as I learn to experience uh, what is happening in my body in this moment, no? out of that presence, out of, out of that uh, capacity to be present with the physical body, there is a, something that happens internally which we call grounding. And the grounding is an experience of, I'm here, I'm right here in this moment. Now, when I'm here in this moment, the next step is, what is using the technique of inquiry, which means asking myself questions that have to do with what is the experience in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's beautiful. And, and I, I, really, I really so appreciate you, you talking about it as in the body because I, I think that, you know, people talk in America about how you can have an out-of-body experience when you're just really panicking or freaking out, as they say. And um, uh, you, you can have an out-of-body experience deliberately, according to some, that you can decide to leave your body and, and have an experience outside your body. And, of course, there, we have a lot of talk these days about uh, people who leave their body in a coma or when we die, we leave our bodies. And th- uh, there's a lot of talk about that. There's not so much talk about staying in your body. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really appreciate the fact that you brought that up. And I, I really want to go back and say this, too. I really think your book adds more to this whole issue of experiencing the now than my book does. So I really want to say that. I think that it, it's a, an advance on that. And it's uh, what it's sa- saying, basically, is that the experience of this moment actually saves our lives. Um, Absolutely. Yes, yes. And that brings us to life for the first time, actually, in some cases. Yeah, because also the question is, what am I doing here on this planet if I'm not living in the body? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I mean, I'm here. I'm right here. I, and for whatever reason, existence decided that wanted us you know, here on this planet. And the body is my home. The body is the way that my soul, my spirit exists in this dimension. And as long as I exist in this dimension, to exist without the body is absolutely absurd. It doesn't make any sense. Right, right, exactly. I mean, what are we here for if we're not here to be here? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. So I, that, that's another, another important piece, which is that, unfortunately, the vast majority 
of people have not really landed on, on this planet mm-hmm. and not landed in the sense that uh, I speak with many, many people. And uh, most of the people I speak in the beginning, they, they, they ask me this question, what am I doing here? I don't really feel that I'm here. You know? I don't really feel, I feel that, yes, I get up in the morning, I make my coffee, I go to work, but I, I don't feel that I'm real. I don't understand what am I doing here. And uh, to, to reach the understanding of what each of us is doing here needs necessarily to pass through the embodiment because what the soul, my spirit, exists in an embodied way right in this moment. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is the, main, the main door. And I understand that, that for many people it's difficult because unfortunately our bodies were punished, our bodies were uh, attacked, abused, repressed, uh, constricted. We, there are tensions. So there are a lot. There is a lot of wounding about being in the body, much more than it used to be probably a few centuries ago. Yeah, and not the least of which is body image stuff that we have. You know, we, uh, you know, I don't know whether it's as strong in Australia or in Italy, but here in America, it's just outrageous. It's uh, we have these ideas about what the body should be instead of what the body is. Yes, yes, because and of course that creates a, a, a constant inner conflict because. Uh, I am uh, uh, judging uh, uh, pretty much all the time that my body should be uh, in a way and not the way it is, that should be skinnier or, or a little bit more muscular or that is not male enough or that is not female enough. And this is all based, based on, uh, on images that are socially given, but they, they, you know, they have nothing really to do with us. Yeah, and you speak about how image and memory, as a matter of fact, are great veils. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, basically the images are uh, uh, leftovers of our past. Mm -hmm. Images that we have created uh, in our uh, process of growing up. Uh, one of the things that the, the, the ego identity seems to be doing since probably the first year of age is creating inner representations of, of uh, himself, itself, and, and the world around. So, for example, the baby starts creating inner images of the mother breast and the breast and the, and the crib and of... Uh, uh, herself in relation to these uh, uh, objects, external objects. Yeah. So these images start existing on as as memory traces, and what happens is that uh, we often, uh, when we when we are adults, we live life not through the direct experience of what is happening in the moment, but through images. So, for example. I might be in a garden and, and, and see a beautiful rose and I'm attracted by the smell of this rose and I get close to the rose and then suddenly internally starts a whole inner dialogue that starts comparing this rose to other roses in the past and, and I have a movement that goes from an experience that is based on the senses of the body and the opening of these senses to the reality to a dialogue which is completely based on, 
on uh, past images that uh, that uh, and 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 the opinions and values that uh, that I gave to the, those experiences. And by doing that, I lose the direct experience of the rose in the moment. Yes. So rose becomes just a dead rose. It's not alive. I'm not alive, and the rose is not alive. Right, right. I so agree with that. And and we can live whole lifetimes that way, as you said earlier, and, and it, it, it is a great veil. It keeps us from being able to to really pierce through the veil or open the veil to see what's really going on in that moment. We're missing that moment entirely. Yes, and that's that's what I call the attachment to reactivity, the fact that we keep reacting to life instead of responding to life, where for me a response means responsibility, the, the way I define responsibility is the capacity to respond, the yes. ability to respond to existence rather than react. Mm-hmm. So being in the moment means, okay, I'm open to the experience of the moment without putting on top of the experience comments, judgments, and evaluations that come from my past. Right, right. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. That's even my definition of responsibility as well. So, yeah, the the idea is that we're moving from uh, respond, reactivity to the past to response to the present. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Right. Now, of course, of course, this is a process that uh, is not going to happen in a few hours or a few days. It takes a lot of uh, attention to realize when I am in reactivity, because basically the personality is fundamentally reactivity. Right. So I, I, if, I, if I look at the personality, my own personality or the personality of the people I work with, you know, personality works, exists as a, a sequence of reactions. Mm-hmm. Right. Fortunately, fortunately, because we are much more than the personality, we are often non in reaction, but we often we are not even aware of it that we yes. are present, that we are experiencing, that we are not reacting. That in that moment we are not the personality; we are something much bigger and much more uh, um, real than the personality. Right, absolutely, and and in that process, go ahead. No, go ahead. The good news, the good news, because you know, being is constantly present. If we want it or not want it, if we are identified with the personality or not, being constantly keeps manifesting itself. Mm-hmm. The question is, how can I support it? Yeah, or or even begin to see it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's what we want to talk about a little bit more when we come back from the break in just a few minutes. We're talking today to Avikal. Costantino about his book Without a Mask, Discovering Your Authentic Self. Stay tuned for more. We're getting into this now. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. back talking today to Avikal Costantino about his book, uh, Without a Mask, Discovering Your Authentic Self. And what we've been talking about is all, all the various sort of comparisons between what isn't authentic and what is. And so now I guess what we need to do, Avikal, is talk a little bit more about how people can actually find and begin to live from the authentic self. And what you've said so far is that it happens in a moment and that it is difficult for us to take that moment and just sort of be with it and be in that experience. Can you give our listening audience some some ideas about how they can go about doing that? <laughs> well, this, yes, definitely. This is the most, the most interesting part because uh, it is very easy to... Uh, in a way, I mean, it's not so easy, but it's easier to recognize when we are identified with our personality. And it's a little bit more challenging in the beginning to recognize when we are not the personality and we are in our authenticity. Now, for me, again, one of the main keys that, uh, that help is really to recognize the symptoms in the body. Because in the body, the difference between being in the personality and being in, in, in outside of the personality and in the, in the authentic self is quite obvious. When I'm in the personality, the, as the personality exists as a fundamental contraction and a state of control based on survival, the personality is a state where there is tension, where there is reduction, where there is contraction. While every time that we are, uh, even for a split second, outside of the personality, for example, in a moment of uh, 
sincerity with somebody that we uh, we love or we care for or when we are watching uh, a beautiful sunset or listening to music or dancing or we are completely into reading something that is really lifting us or things like that we can recognize that the experience in the physical body is an experience of spaciousness of openness Mm-hmm. And there is a certain delight that comes with that sense of spaciousness. And that's possibly in the beginning one of the more clear signs that I am moving away from the contraction of the mask and I'm uh, uh, entering a different dimension where that kind of control, that kind of tension is not there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I can uh, totally relate to that in my own life. When I first started being able to do that, literally, I would feel my shoulders begin to relax. Yes. That, that I would just, oh, okay. And I didn't even know, of course, that was going to happen. But I can still, that's one of the clues that I get that, okay, now I'm here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the shoulders, the, the forehead, the, the chest, the belly, you know. The genitals, the 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 the, the calves, you know, the whole body in dif- has different tensions that are related to different forms of repression that we carry, and uh, each one of us has a particular net of tensions which that uh, we are familiar with, you know, that we live in, often thinking that that's me, that's I am those tensions. Mm-hmm. The moment, the moment that. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, like out of being present, it happens that uh, even for a few seconds, I am not identified with that image of that's me, those tensions. Suddenly, I start experiencing myself in a completely different way without that tension. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that, that's what I call spaciousness. It's spaciousness, yes. Yes, we expand into our bodies. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the body has had so many aspersions cast on it over the centuries. It's the thing that makes us sin. It's the thing that gets sick. It's the thing that makes us die. And so when we think about getting into the body, we're like, nah, I don't think so. I don't want to do that. But actually, the body, as I've d- discovered it through my own presence with my body, is is my life. It, 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 I mean, not that that's all there is to my life, but that it, there is a real life, wise, giving, loving essence inside my body that you just don't become aware of any other way. Right. And there is also a great intelligence because the, 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 the beautiful thing that happens is that when I start consciously moving into different spaces inside where uh, my body is perceived without tensions, something starts manifesting in the body, there is a, that, which is a sort of natural intelligence of the body mm-hmm. that knows how to exist without repression, without tension, without judgment, without contraction, in relaxation. Right. Because the body is not, is not here to suffer. We are not here to suffer, so there is no reason why we need to live in a body which is all a net of tension, and we need to stay there uh, all our life. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, because I think that's what a lot of people perceive is going to happen when they get into the body. They're going to start suffering more, 
But, and, and all of these methods of survival have been an attempt to not suffer. <laughs> yes, that, that's, that's, the, that's the story that uh, we have been telling ourselves and that uh, they've been telling us. Like, and unfortunately, or fortunately, the, the truth is exactly the opposite, the, which is that as long as I am only engaged in survival and I'm unconsciously trying to define myself, which means to put limits to who I believe I am, this will create a state of tension. And no matter uh, how many pills and, uh, and antidepressants and I, will, I will take, this will not resolve the question. Right. This will not resolve the problem because the problem is not a problem of the body. The problem is a problem of how I try to control with a very limited set of tools that I received from my, mostly from my parents, something which is my body that has a much bigger intelligence that those tools are available to capacity uh, capable to provide mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's a little bit like losing oneself to find oneself and you talk a little bit about that in the end of the book when you talk about enlightenment um that that the idea of enlightenment has to do with finding oneself can you share a little bit more about that well the, you say correctly, the idea of enlightenment, because enlightenment is just another concept, in yeah, fact. That's exactly it's right. Ju- it's just another concept and, uh, and is a concept that is sustained by another concept, which is the concept that I am ignorant. <laughs> and, and because I am ignorant, then I need to be enlightened. But in fact, you know, these are just concepts. And the moment that I start experiencing myself directly, and I start recognizing uh, that uh, I exist in the moment, in this present, and there is this intelligence that naturally responds to life, then also the the idea of enlightenment completely uh, falls apart, disappears, because it's it's seen as a a final spiritual, between bracket, attempt to control myself, which is a little bit something that has happened with... uh, the new age movement, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, finding yourself means means to actually let go of the structure, the structure of control, and allowing my being, me, to exist in presence in this moment, recognizing that this moment is completely new, is completely uh, unpredictable, and with the capacity to uh, surf this moment. It's, it basically is all about surfing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's interesting. I talked with uh, Rafael Kushner a couple of weeks ago, and he said the exact same word. So that's, yes, I think that's exactly what it is. Say some more about that. Well, you know, uh, I am not really a surfer with the board, but I surf with my body. I'm a body surfer, and I know that if I let go into the waves and I, I am present with the wave and I don't resist the wave, the wave takes me to the beach. Mm-hmm. So life is a constant movement of change. Now, this is something that we, I, I, I imagine pretty much everybody can recognize easily that life changes moment after moment after moment after moment after moment and that Yes, I can try to control this change, but if I look uh, into it with a little bit of honesty, I can also see that uh, 
my possibility, capacity to control is nearly zero. And uh, therefore, an, a, a more intelligent or a more uh, 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 adventurous, if you want, way to, to live is to recognize how can I surf this wave of change and participating into the change. Mm-hmm. Now, participating in the change, I need to be present. If I'm not present, I cannot participate. Yes, yes. This need to recognize what does it mean for me to be present in this moment? How do I recognize that I'm present? Which means, okay, listening to the body, and then that's only the beginning. Because once that I, be, when, once that I land in the body, then I can really go much deeper than that. For example, I can start becoming present to my emotions, to my feelings, to my moods, to my thinking. So there are many different layers of experience that are available. And the more I become present to all these different layers, the more there is a kind of um, deeper alignment and relaxation that happens in the system because we start recognizing that uh, uh, feelings and, and body and thoughts, they're all connected with each other. They're not separated. They are just one, one experience. In that oneness, there is uh, a deep, a very deep relaxa- relaxation that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so when it comes to the concept of 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 just being with ourselves, what you're saying is the more the less contrived we are, the more possible it is to surf. And sometimes we're surfing even our emotions or our thoughts, but whatever it is we're surfing, it will carry us to the beach. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It keeps getting to the beach all the time. Yes, absolutely. More and more every day. All right. Well, we'll be back in just a few more minutes with our final segment with Avikal Costantino uh, talking about, without a mask, discovering your authentic self. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Have you discovered and awakened the natural power of your sexual energy? Imagine a world in which every woman's role is to birth the God in every man. Join host Muki Okan for Sex and the Divine Design. Orgasm is a gift for your health and well-being. What if everyone could be free to experience and express the pleasure and power of being alive? Come and enhance your relationships, your well-being, and your sex life. Sex and the Divine Design is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Well, it's sad but true, but we have to end our conversation with Avikal Costantino after the end of this break. But we've got a little bit longer to talk with him. And before he goes, I want uh, him to be able to tell uh, you all about his, uh, his, a little bit how he can connect, you can connect with him and about a little bit about his work. So if you will, go ahead with that, Avikal. Yeah. So about uh, nine years ago, uh, I, I realized that uh, uh, my capacity to, uh, to, do this, to, to do the work that I'm doing uh, was limited in the sense that, uh, of course, I could not reach uh, as many people as I would have liked to reach. So I founded an institute, which is called the Integral Being Institute. And um, I have now, in these nine years, uh, ten years nearly, uh, formed uh, about, uh, uh, I would say, 12 to 15 new teachers mm. which do a lot of the basic work with the personality and uh, with uh, the, the inner judge and, uh, and also that uh, uh, are uh, helping a lot to expanding one piece of our work which I, I feel is uh, a beautiful piece, a fundamental piece, which is called Satori, which is a retreat where we work with the question, who am I? Mm-hmm. And we work intensely with this question. So for many hours, we have a, a structure where we deep, deeply go into this uh, inquiry together with the partner, changing partner, and then there are meditations and so on. So and uh, and the institute is growing. We are we are now present in many different countries. You know, especially Australia, Italy, Russia, Denmark, Germany, Croatia. Uh, we have few people in the states that are starting doing the work there, and uh, yes, I think I'm I'm really happy with that. I think that this is something that is uh, is really making the work expand, and uh, and uh, that looks great. Wonderful. Yes, and uh, we have of course a, a website, is www.integralbeing.com. www.integralbeing.com. And then if people are interested more in uh, myself, then there is another website, which is www.avical.net. And in that, in that, they are defined a little bit more stuff about myself, my story, and also they find my poetry, which is one of the things that uh, I, I like to write. And, uh, and I publish it only on the, on the website. So that's uh, that's one of my uh, the love one of my loves you know things that I do apart from writing books I really like to write poetry. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. So I want to spell that for our listening audience. It's www.avikal.net. That's a v i k a l dot net. Um, and the Institute of Integral Being is www.integralbeing.com. Do I have that right? 
Yes. Okay. Yes. So those are ways to connect and learn more about Avikal. Uh, you know, I and think- uh, in the next, uh, I think in the next, um, by the end of uh, August, middle end of August, then then uh, my new book is coming out, which is Freedom to Be Yourself: Mastering the Inner Judge. And of course, you will find the books on Amazon. Right, and this is going to be volume two of Mastering the Inner Judge. Is that correct? Well, this is a, a actually Mastering the Inner Judge was the first book that I wrote about five or six years ago, and this is a completely revised version and is nearly double than the original one. Ah, wonderful! Yes, wonderful. Yes, so there are many more chapters, and also there are contributions from. Uh, uh, some other uh, friends of mine that are on the path of uh, self-discovery. And uh, there are some really beautiful contributions, so I'm really also grateful to them you know, for, uh, for that. Wonderful, wonderful. That, and that is a concept that we definitely need to, not concept, let me say that differently, that is something we definitely need to master is that inner judge because uh, he's a boogie bear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, he's, he's, the, he's the one that uh, keeps pushing us uh, into, into staying into this uh, fear of survival and uh, controlling our life because of that fear. Absolutely. All right. So we definitely need to deal with that. Yeah, so that's coming out mid-August? Mid-August, yes. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. We'll, we'll be looking for that. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit. You speak in the book about the distinction between individualism and individuality. So before we go, I want to clear that one up. What, is, what are the differences between those two things? Okay, uh, I, I give a very simple definition, which is that individualism is based on a constant attempt to be special. And, and the, the attempt to be special has to do with, of course, with comparison. Because the, the, you can't be special unless you compare yourself with something that you might consider more special or less special. So individualism is basically a manifestation of uh, the need of the personality to uh, uh, compare itself with, with the rest of the world and, uh, and prove to itself and to the others that I am better than, than the people around me. While individuality is, has to do with uniqueness, and uniqueness has no relation whatsoever, has nothing to do with comparison, because by definition, the, the experience of uniqueness is that there is nobody else as I, like me. I am unique. Mm-hmm. And the state of being has to do with uniqueness, not with, and so with individuality, and not with uh, uh, being special. Yes. It also brings a lot of tension because I constantly need to prove that I am the best, while uh, uniqueness uh, does not bring at all any kind of tension or effort because the moment that I recognize that as, uh, as myself, I am unique, Every, every tension that has to do with uh, attempting to be uh, better than others disappears completely. So yeah. I need relaxation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. That's a really clear way of saying it. Uh, and there's so much going on right now about, I mean, you know, so many young people. The beautiful thing about 
all the talent shows that we're having here in America and in Europe are, is that so much talent is being shown for what it is. Each person's uniqueness is, is coming out and we're being able to see it. Yes. But on the other hand, the unfortunate part about that is that people find that to be a way of becoming special rather than right. being unique. And, uh, and the comparisons do, they absolutely make us less than or more than all the time. And that we're, you know, to say that we're neither is intellectually acceptable, but not emotionally acceptable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's hard for us to just go, well, I'm just like everybody else, um, but I'm really not well, like everybody it, else. <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing that is, uh, it's important about finding individuality is that uh, when, when, uh, we reach an adult understanding of being an individual. That's the moment where we can start participating consciously to the evolution. As long as we don't become individuals, we cannot consciously participate to evolution. We are, we are basically part of evolution, but we are not a conscious part of it. So our, uh, our gift is, uh, is not really given to the species. And I think that in that sense, we have a responsibility towards becoming individuals so that we can uh, support this species and this whole universe to evolve uh, in a more conscious way. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the way you say that. Uh, it's, it's so beautifully said and, and so hard for us to conceive of, but really uh, that we are always evolving whether we know it or not. We're in this process of evolution and we just yes, uh, we don't know it. Absolutely. We and, are. Yes, I so agree with that. And, and, and that we, and knowing it, it means we, we really are here. We really are here in that expression of evolution, whatever that is at that particular time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that gives us so much more peace than thinking that we're not really a part of the evolution until we do something to make that happen. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yes. And that that's that's that, that's a very glorious moment when the when when it comes, you know, and and uh, you start sensing that you are participating consciously to something so mysterious and so immense and vast, and you are part of it. It is immense and vast. It is amazing to me how many of us are writing and thinking and and knowing on the same thing. On different sides of the planet, I mean, you and I are thinking in the exact same way, but we're on different sides of the planet. And how many other, <laughs> how many, how many other people are in that experience simply because they're in that experience? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, Avikal, it's been wonderful talking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking your time to do that, getting up at the crack of dawn there in, in Australia to talk with us today. It's my pleasure, Andrea. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. And next week, we're going to talk about something called grace, not just what the Christian terminology for grace, but also the Buddhist and the Sanskrit definition of grace. So stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.